This is a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. Go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Welcome to this week's edition of the Yarra Bicycle Users Group radio program on Community Radio 3CR. Thank you to Democracy Now! for the last hour of current affairs. My name's Chris and Yarra Bicycle Users Group Radio. We're a little show about cycling and related transport issues coming to you from Melbourne or Naram in Victoria, Australia. Into the studio today, I've got a special guest, uh, Janenka Brook. Thanks for coming in today. We're going to have a bit of a discussion about... Um, missed opportunities in the last four years with the Victorian state government. We'll talk about some specific um, topics and then we'll kind of get into a bit of a wider discussion of what on earth is going on with missed uh, opportunities for active transport in Victoria. Sounds good and there's plenty of... Okay, what if I just speak up a bit? Is that that's, that's beautiful. <laughs> no, yeah. it's just it's not really showing up too well on the thing. But... What would you say um, coming into the next state election? How do you think we're we're travelling in in Victoria? Well, on active transport matters, I think that um, unfortunately the Labor government over the last four years has pretty much just sat on their hands um, and not really done much of anything. Um, However, I don't feel any sense of confidence that the Liberals would do any better. So it's a really tough situation, I think, for Victorian voters who are interested in cycling issues and in active transport um, and indeed in in transport policy more broadly. Um, It's a really, really tough spot to be in at the moment. Yeah, it's it's something that we've brought up in bits and pieces on the show over the over the last couple of years. There's been some fabulous opportunities where infrastructure could have been factored in, and if people or, or you know project managers or people doing stuff at the state government are concerned about um, you know um, cost variations, um, it doesn't seem to be the issue. It just seems to be a bit of oh, naivety and or ignorance, or they're running to a different timeline. You know, yeah. Um, November the 24th. Mm, yes, that's right. And, and we see that in um, the way that some of these projects being handled. Um, I mean, Buckley Street is the one that I've been having a look at lately, which seems to have been rushed through somewhat. They had the grand unveiling last weekend. Um, and even with that grand unveiling, there's still plenty of things that are not finished. Um, some of the service roads and the side streets that have been affected still need resurfacing. They're almost impossible to actually ride on at the moment. Um, but, yeah, it's just been rushed through. So, it's, Yeah, it's, it's a fascinating one. But, okay, so just, take, you know, just drop down a bit or so. How was your weekend? My weekend was pretty good. It's lovely to see the sunshine out at last. Um, I went for a ride up the Galata Tambor Bikeway, which is um, up the Hume Freeway, up towards Craigieburn. It's a really nice path. Got swooped not by a magpie, but by an Indian miner of all things. So <laughs> it's that time of year as well. But yeah, really nice weekend. Yeah, it's interesting as Indian miner. I've got um, where we are, there's just heaps and heaps and heaps of birds. Mm. And um, Indian miners are getting a um, 
run in from the local crows, which is, is good to see. But, uh, yeah, my cycling news is I think I've busted my old um, wind trainer finally. Oh, no. Yeah, the tension or something's gone bung in it because, yeah, it's like, oh, well, I have to go muck around with something else. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's kind of you're sitting there kind of trying to do a few, you know, 20 minutes of this and 20 minutes of that and going, she no work. Oh. <laughs> Might be time to upgrade to a kicker or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I was thinking something like that because it's it's pretty old technology with the one I'm working on. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I hope uh, if you're listening out there that you if you went to around the bay in the day or your social ride or bunch ride or Abbotsford cycle swap meet on the weekend, um, I hope you're all resting up and uh, ready for a new week. Anyway, I'm going to take a quick break and we'll be back with the interview with Janenka about missing opportunities for Victorian uh, cyclists and walkers for the um, last four years. World Mental Health Day 2018 is coming up on October 10th. This year, the World Health Organization's theme is young people and mental health in a changing world. Talking about what it means to grow up in today's society and how to build mental resilience to cope with pressures. To celebrate on Brainwaves, we want to hear from you. Send in your stories about what resilience and mental health means to you. Head to brainwaves.org.au to find out more and submit your story. Tune into 3CR Community Radio on Wednesday the 10th of October at 5pm to hear our special Mental Health Week edition of Brainwaves. Or listen to the podcast on the 3CR website. Brainwaves. Hear the world differently. Proudly sponsored by Worldways Australia. Hi, I'm Mo Louie and you're listening to 3CR 855 AM Radical Radio on digital and streaming live on 3cr.org.au. And you're back listening to Yarra Bosco User Group Radio on Community Radio 3CR. So, where would she start, Janenka? The Buckley Street Trench. Yes. Mm. Now, if you talk to the local, the locals around there, some of them think it's beautiful, some of them think it's horrendous. But um, from a, a cycling perspective, it, this is one of those missed opportunities that we're talking about where um, despite the Victorian government has the Transport Integration Act of 2010, which talks about meeting the needs of all transport system users, it talks about increasing the share of public transport, walking and cycling trips, um, and it talks about reducing the need for motor vehicle transport, um, and combine that with the Victorian cycling strategy, which specifically calls out projects like the level crossing removals um, and, and calls for substantial new and upgraded cycling facilities with those sorts of big road projects. So when you look at a road project like the level crossing removals, you would naturally assume that um, they would take the opportunity to, while they're doing something to the road, improve the cycling conditions there as well. But on Buckley Street, what we've seen is actually um, the whole situation is much worse than it was, where previously, before they did anything, when um, crossing the tracks at the level crossing on Buckley Street, there were two lanes in each direction. So when you're on your bike, you know, there's not a dedicated bike lane, but there's plenty of room for a car to pass you. Um, and it's actually a major east-west commuting corridor. It's the only direct way of getting between the Maribyrnong River Trail and the Mooney Ponds Creek Trail. Um, and the advantage of crossing um, on Buckley Street is that when you cross um, Mount Alexander Road and Pasco Vale Road, you're doing that at a set of lights. Yeah. Um, 
So what they've actually done now in digging the trench, because of the need to provide service roads at the ground level as well as having the trench um, underneath, they've actually had to narrow the road effectively. So instead of being two lanes in each direction, there's a total of three lanes. Um, So they've narrowed it. And in one direction, that means you have a straight ahead lane and a right turn lane that goes for literally half a kilometre through the trench. It's bizarre. And in the other direction, um, heading westbound, it's just one lane through the trench. And they're quite narrow lanes. So there's no room to safely pass a cyclist. Mm. Um, And so the whole thing feels a lot more dangerous than it used to. I used to feel quite comfortable and quite safe riding on Buckley Street, despite the lack of a, an actual bike lane. The fact that there was plenty of space meant that it was fine. So now what you've got is this this trench with no bike lanes and um, the Level Crossing Removal Authority, they seem to think that um, their alternative routes are an acceptable solution. Um, so essentially they've said, well, don't use Buckley Street, use an alternative route. So... Um, the alternative routes, however, are things like using the service roads to go up an, another single lane service road up towards the station and then get off your bike and walk it down the stairs through the station un- underpasses to come out the other side. Um, so, you know, it's it's just a, an insane kind of situation. And they could have put bike lanes in. Um, I actually put it to them months ago before it was actually a done deal. I, I put it to them that perhaps a right turn lane that goes for half a kilometre is a little unusual and perhaps not really necessary and that maybe you could use that space for bike lanes instead. Mm. Um, But they didn't seem to want to come to the party on that one. (laughs) It's almost if, okay, I'm taking a step back from this, they've kind of come into this with this is our cost for the entire project and there shall be no variations. Yeah, look, quite possibly. uh, It wouldn't surprise me if this is a cost thing because, you know, Digging is expensive. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and to actually widen the trench any further would have required land acquisition. Um, or that's what they tell me. I don't know if that's technically true, but that's what they've said. Um, and, you know, land acquisition also is not politically palatable often because you're talking about knocking down buildings potentially and knocking down people's homes. So I understand why that might have been a bit of a showstopper for them. But... If the width of the trench is indeed as wide as it can possibly be, my argument would be that the convenience of drivers who are waiting to turn right at Mount Alexander Road should be a lower order priority than the safety, the fundamental safety of all road users. Mm. Um, So when I put that to them and, um, and, and I actually said to them, well, why are we putting convenience over safety? They just sort of, it gave me a blank look. <laughs> so. so the project brief is incredibly well lacking in detail. Yeah, and look, that's the other thing with, with this project and with some of the other ones that we've seen lately where um, from a public perspective, the kinds of consultation documents that they put out and the draft designs and, you know, the fancy videos of, of the artist's impression of what it's going to look like, there's not enough detail often to make a real assessment of what it's going to look like in the end and whether it's suitable or not. And then the plans change. So with the Buckley Street one, the uh, design of the underpasses and, and the plans for where the traffic lights are and all those sorts of things seem to change every month or so. And so you're never quite sure what you're actually going to end up with at the end of it. That's pretty poor consultation. 
Yeah, it is. Like, um, you know, it's it's just hard to have a, a proper valid consultation when you don't have all the information. And I guess that's really the thing with all of these big projects that members of the public are naturally at a disadvantage because you don't have the same level of information that the government does, obviously. And I bring in the actual dichotomy here that this is all being done for votes. And they're actually losing votes by, by um, delivering, doing poor um, project delivery. I mean, an example of go back a few months ago, uh, Faith and Val had uh, John in the studio talking about uh, the extension that he wanted for the upfield uh, shared path, you know, as part of the level crossing stuff further up in, um, beyond Faulkner. Um, he did a phenomenal amount of work doing representations on behalf of, you know, residents and, you know, showing how feasible it was and um, to, I think, naught, unfortunately, if you if people have been following John's uh, progress on trying to advocate for, you know, that um, uh, path extension. It's very, very odd. Uh, it's not like, oh, you know, you turn up to a consultation and get everything you want, but it's like even the most bare minimum, we're not getting anywhere. Now, give it another example of it's blown up in the last week is the uh, streamlining Hoddle Street project, which went out for consultation two years ago. Now, at about that time that was going, I had um, Alison and Jeremy in from uh, Streets Alive Yarra talking about their idea for the uh, that intersection of uh, Swan and Hoddle Street, the Mon Ring. Which was a big ask. It was you know, based upon the what was the other ring they got in the Netherlands, the um, in Inhoven. It's the yeah based upon the one that was there. You know, this is amazing kind of you know circular route and raised elevated uh, path. Okay, it was a big ask, but when we go and have a look at what was reported last week, there is nothing. What, what is this? Is this absolute blatant ignorance or some of these project designers have absolutely no clue about building in or baking in active transport, even pedestrians? Yeah, look, it's, it's really disappointing. And I, I think that there's a couple of things at play here that there's um, at a governance level that, you know, there's policies in place that say that you must do extra, you know, um, cycling infrastructure, active transport, and active transport infrastructure nobody's holding anybody to account to actually deliver on what the government's own policies state so you know there's that kind of higher level strategic um, overarching governance kind of perspective on it and then there's the individuals who are on the project teams who are doing the design work and the engineering work for these projects and I personally feel that there's probably a lack of representation in those teams themselves of people who have a genuine first-hand experience with riding their bikes on the road and and with walking places as well and you and with um you know getting around if you're in a wheelchair and those sorts of things there's a huge range of accessibility dramas yeah i can remember going back to the early 2000s uh bicycle victoria as they were called then uh were doing like you know study trips you know internal study trips around Melbourne where they we all piled into a big bus and went around and looked at certain traffic treatments 
And I can remember one of these we went on. We met down here in Fitzroy, I think, at the local community house, and there was a whole bunch of you know, important, you know, track engineers, road engineers, and there was two of us who were cyclists. So we all got like, look at these people over here. <laughs> they are actual cyclists. But back then, they were actually kind of taking people around and showing them, you know, Pacific treatments. And then I got this feeling that, you know, um, to them it was an academic exercise. We were some type of scientific experiment. I mean, um, kudos for BV back then having a, a crack at trying to break whatever professional silo these people are operating within. Hmm. But it's really, really, um, I find disingenuous considering, you know, the attitudes we're getting at the moment, considering the amount of material that is out there to do with active transport, either within Australia, overseas, Europe, yeah, we've, yeah, we haven't even got on to Luke Donlan's um, European trip yet mm. in September. I find a lot of this stuff where they're complete ignorance is just disingenuous because even then, Vic Roads have had Vic Roads cycle notes for well over 20 years of what you do at various intersections and treatments. Well, they just completely ignored all their own internal stuff to do with dealing with you know, people on bikes. It's that's. It's quite disarming when you mm. look at it from just from a critical thinking perspective. Of what what the hell are you doing? Yeah, that's right. It's not like there's a short, um, you know, any shortage of documentation. You've got the Austroids guidelines yep. as well. Um, the information's all there. It, it seems to just be a lack of will mm. to implement it because it it can't be a lack of money. Because, you know, you look at the billions and billions of dollars being spent on roads at the moment. Um, Bike lanes are a drop in the ocean and somehow the government can't work out how to spend its $100 million cycling fund in the last four years. They've done nothing with it. So it's not for lack of money. Um, It's not for lack of information or lack of expertise that's out there. It's a lack of will to do it. Join 3CR's breakfast teams at our annual film fundraiser on Saturday, October 13th. At Loop Project Space and Bar. 23 Myers Place, Nam. And we'll be screening the film Life is Waiting, looking at referendum and resistance in Western Sahara, followed by a post-show live panel discussion featuring Kamal Fadel from the Australian Western Sahara Association. Now, tickets are a good $15 for the waged and $5 unwaged at the door, so... Come along, have a bit of fun. All proceeds go to Keeping Breakfast Programming on air as 3CR so you can keep hearing these beautiful voices we have at our radio station. And that again will be on Saturday the 13th of October from 5pm. Film starts at 6, um, preferably show up by 5.30 and hopefully to see you all lovely people there. Well, I love 3CR and so I'm going to definitely be there. And you're back listening to Yarra Bicycle User Group Radio on Community Radio 3CR, 8.55am digital live streaming, podcasts, a whole bunch of ways you can listen to 3CR. And in the studio today, I have special guest Janine Cabrook from Melbourne Commuter. Great. <laughs> now, just leading off from um, what we were just saying about how you know things are being ignored, yeah, someone who's a political advisor or, you know, within the government department was telling you, but, you know, you're, you're just being really naive because, you know, what you do when you're in government is that you govern to the median. You know, you want the uh, is m- m- maximum amount of voters as possible for your, you know, what you're doing for your projects or whatever, or maximum um, backing for your buck. Now, which is really interesting because, like, if you just read some, oh, last 24 hours about, like, Daniel Andrews just pulled ahead in the um, polls 
to just bring this back to a political standpoint for a moment, I can't believe even that, you know, we're having this discussion where um, things in the state are marginal between the two major parties because, I'm sorry, but the Liberals are just, okay, well, you know, I'm trying to stick to the topics, not individuals. But, yeah, we've got the Leader of the Opposition who just on four years ago, um, alongside the then Premier, signed the East-West Link um, contracts at the very last moment and forcing, you know, wedging people on an issue before the elections. Now he's the leader of the opposition and a potential Premier. And we're having these marginal, you know, like it's probably one seat, in it? You would really think if they're that tight, they would have thought about um, where, where every vote is picked up. Mm. And this is where if someone's kind of struggling for, oh, it's a cost variation on a project to build in, you know, cycling and walking facilities, uh, I think they should have thought about this a little bit more because as I think uh, in terms of cycling and walking, people are politically agnostic, even though I think there's people in the ALP who like to think that it's all a bunch of inner city, lefty, whatever, greens things, which they all hate. Um, I think, guys, get over yourselves. And look, I, I think the mistake that they make is to think of cyclists as some special breed of human Ugh. beings when, you know, studies show and surveys have shown many times that there is a huge amount of people out there who currently don't ride a bike, but who would actually like to if it yep. felt a bit safer and if there was, you know, more connected bike routes across the city. Um, so I think the mistake that the um, various political parties make is to think that when you're talking about cycling, that you're talking just to the small um, handful of people who are currently using a bike to get around everywhere, or you're only talking to the enthusiasts. You're not. You're talking to families who just want to go out for a little poodle around on the weekend. You know, yeah. those are cyclists, and these are the people that you're disadvantaging by not doing anything for them. And just from a long-term perspective. Like, I've been riding since, what, 96, 97 as an adult. I returned to my, you know, cycling in my late 20s. The actual road environment has improved in many ways in terms of better infrastructure, but the actual volume of traffic and the roads that I would choose to ride on has, what well, one, has increased you know, in terms of traffic volume and bad behaviour, and the amount of roads that I'll actually go and ride on has decreased and again, I see myself as a confident cyclist, as you were just saying about people who want to ride, is this constant negative reinforcement they're getting. Mm. Yeah, that's right. Um, and when you you look at roads like Sydney Road or St Kilda Road, right, two of our most important cycling routes in the entire city that somehow has made it, or not made it onto the list of high priority um, routes to actually improve. Um, and those are the sorts of roads that have, you know, a huge volume of both car traffic and cycling traffic um, and they af- appear to be dangerous because they've got such a high volume but when you look at it as a um, you know number of crashes per kilometre travelled and that sort of thing they're not actually that dangerous they mm. just have a huge volume of traffic yeah well it's people it's their perception is their reality yeah that's right and mm. and perception is is a huge part of this that um, you know talking about Buckley Street as it used to be you know, people say to me, well, why would you ever have ridden on there anyway? There's other safer roads. But for me, it was it was safe. It doesn't appear or didn't appear to be safe to others because it didn't have bike lanes on it. But 
you know, it's a perception thing. And um, and now with what they've done to Buckley Street, the perception is that it's just horrific to ride through. Um, and no one except for the most um, confident cyclists will do it. So, mm. you know, I think um, the government could do a lot to change the perception of cycling by building a few bike lanes um, as well as, you know, we can always talk about the mandatory helmet laws as well, that, that, uh, that elephant in the room. But... You know, I think that there's just no will in our major parties to do anything at all. Well, at the moment, they're just, um, you know, peddling for votes. (laughs) (laughs) Very bad dad joke there, Chris, sorry. And it just seems to be, uh, again, it's the politics of in the moment, you know, like can do, Dan. I mean, okay, I've got to admit, the ALP have done some really good stuff in the last four years in Mm -hmm. terms of, um, I was one recent uh, media release about... um, a bit of uh, fair equity about people tra- travelling on the trams, about, you know, if you're uh, disadvantaged or whatever, uh, people be able to travel on the trams. And, you know, kind of like, I think the on-the-spot fine stuff has been pulled back because, yeah, there's some really good stuff. But for a progressive government, they've been quite retrogressive about future-proofing infrastructure projects and not pulling things into line with their own Transport Integration Act, which is something that's been discussed a fair bit because... Um, if they don't pull it into line with their own Transport Integration Act, you know, who's the overseer there who's going to come in and give them a smack for not doing it? Vargo? I don't know. It just, it's very discouraging for people who are involved with not just transport issues but any other type of governance sort of stuff is we see, I've got to choose my words carefully here, but we're seeing an abusive executive power of they can get away with doing things because there is no umpire to tell mm. them to do the correct stuff like the the, the the bigger the issue we're discussing here is future-proofing infrastructure so people can freely move around their city despite whatever type of mode they want to use mm. yeah that's right and um, the fact that they can make you know snap well from the outside looking in it appears to be snap decisions about let's build a giant toll road or or whatever like they're making these decisions behind closed doors they're making decisions that will impact on generations of residents um, you know, some of these things will be around for hundreds of years, probably. Oh, definitely. <laughs> and they're making those decisions without proper oversight and without a, even adhering to their own policies. It's just madness. Mm. It And it's just so disappointing when you see some of the stuff that Dan Andrews and his current government have done have been really good. And, they're, mm. you know, there's things like the work they've done on domestic violence issues. Yeah. You know, they've clearly got... Um, a, a view of trying to make a more inclusive um, society in some of the things that they're doing. And yet when it comes to road issues, um, there's no feeling of inclusiveness at all. It's just populism, um, you Pop, know. Yep, and to the meeting. So I just wanted to bring in the point where like, there's something that we've discussed on the show quite a bit over the years and I think you would be quite aware of. In New South Wales, uh, go back a few years and they still are, were actively, actively antagonistic and aggressive towards cyclists in yep. some of the things they were trying to do. And it kind of backfired in a certain sort of way. I think it was more trying, let's get another ploy of let's get Clover more in a certain sort of way. You know, you've seen these things from afar and from a Victorian perspective. But down here in Victoria, it's been more very passive-aggressive. Yeah, that's right. We haven't seen the hikes in anti-cycling fines and things like that that you've seen in, in New South Wales. But I'd say in some ways what we're seeing is... Not 
not quite as bad, but it's still pretty bad that we, yeah. we're just getting completely left out of decision-making processes. And then we have really good things like Rory's Law being bought through. Yeah. About, you know, it's kind of like you see these things kind of like come out of, you know, oh, they did that, that well done. But there doesn't seem to be a whole of government response to active transport and they seem to be completely either ignorant or bamboozled by it. And I just want to quickly mention Luke Donnellan's trip to Europe. Mm. Um, that was apparently according to this. This was in September. So are we looking forward to, like, if the Alpaya government are returned, is Luke Donnellan going to step up to Dan Andrews's, um timelines of, you know, getting things done by a certain point and go, hey, we're going to have a whole new different way of doing things to do with cycling or walking or, you know... I'm not holding my breath for any change of heart from Luke and Ellen personally. <laughs> yeah, take another example. Steve Brax. Uh, wasn't mm. he made head of Cycling Australia at some point? Mm. So what's going on here? It makes no sense. <laughs> I don't get it. Uh, we're, running, we're running out of time. Anyway, I'm just going to take a quick break and I'll be back in a moment. I'm Tash Sultana, and you're listening to 3CR. Please subscribe. Do yourselves a massive favour. Thank you very much. Okay, you're back listening to Yarra Bosco Users Group Radio and Community Radio 3CR. So, Janinka, how can people get in touch with you? Um, so you'll find me on Facebook as Melbourne Commuter. I've also got um, a blog spot, so melbournecommuter.blogspot.com and I'm on Twitter as well. Just look for Melbourne Commuter. Excellent. Uh, quick bit of news and events. Uh, tomorrow night, uh, Rupert uh, Guinness is having a book launch at Curve Cycling down in Bond Street in Abbotsford. I don't have the time in front of me, but I reckon it's somewhere between probably after 6 o'clock. Look it up on Facebook. I'll put it into the podcast. There's probably heaps of news and events and stuff out there that I probably should cram into the next 15 seconds, but I haven't got time. Um, thank you to, for listening today to Yarrabosky User Group Radio. podcast should be up later today on 3cr.org.au or on our mirror site, which is three, uh, one coffee in the morning does not make me concentrate on yarrabug.org forward slash radio. Um, all us announcers are volunteers and 3CR relies upon the subscription or donation so make sure you go to 3cr.org.au and look for the subscribe or donate option to keep us on air thank you Janenka for coming in today thanks for having me and up next is jailbreak followed by black block You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.